Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to Following On and after India wrapped up an emphatic 317-run victory over England on day four, well, it gives us an opportunity to bring you one of the lunch features from the second test match. It was a great test for both of the wicketkeepers, Ben Folks and Rishabh Pant, showing individual masterclasses at times. So, today's podcast focuses on the art of wicketkeeping. Jared Kimber sitting down with a former England gloveman, Matt Pryor, to discuss what it takes to keep wicket at the highest level and how to keep successfully in Asia. Don't forget, we'll bring you live and exclusive commentary of the third test from Ahmedabad on Wednesday on TalkSport 2KP. Joining the commentary team, but for now, let's bring you the art of wicketkeeping here on Following On. And he gets an under edge and is out caught at the wicket. Shorter, quicker, smarter, too smart for Brathwaite. Good catching from Johnny Bairstow, as I've pointed out, but tidy behind the stumps today. Oh, is that in stumps? And Rashid has gone straight past the charging Chandimal. Lovely glove work from Ben Folks. Not that it was his most challenging stumping. Archer is in. Oh, that's an absolute beauty. And he's nicked off Dean Elgar. He's taken the glove. Josh Butler is diving away to his right, almost down the leg side. Here is uh, Butler again. Gone. What a catch. Ben Folks diving up to his left. Very, very fine catch with the man with the gloves on. Watch it as Wolves goes in, takes the edge, caught behind Johnny Bairstow. You're listening to Talk Sport 2's cricket coverage. I'm Jared Kimber, and with me is Matt Pryor, and we're going to talk about wicket keeping and wicket keeping in Asia. My first question, though, is Matt, the first time you went over to keep in Asia, what was the first thing you noticed about uh, how it was different to uh, anywhere else? The very first thing is how physically demanding it is um, compared to anywhere else. I, I think I remember people saying to me, oh, you know, keeping wicket at Perth, God, must be difficult. 30 yards back, ball flying through, coming at pace. 
Actually, it's complete opposite. What a pleasure it is to be stood that far back. You get plenty of time to see the ball coming through. You move your feet, less diving, so less physically demanding on your body, your shoulders, etc., etc. But more importantly, the ball's coming at sort of waist height, chest height the whole time. So it's your your lowness to the ground is is less in the subcontinent. You are squatting and you're in that sort of posture, low posture position for a lot of the time. So you're either up to the stumps uh, for the majority of the time. And if you're not up to the stumps, you're still so close. So Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, whoever's bowling, their pace hasn't changed. They're still bowling 85, 88, 89 miles an hour. But you're now not 30 yards back. You're 10 yards back. So everything is happening far quicker. You get less time to react. And it just puts so much more stress on on your body, um, your quads, your Achilles knees whatever it may be so the physical demand is is incredible and then because you're because you've got less time to react it obviously puts a huge increased pressure on your technique because if you aren't technically sound you're not going to get those those half chances or not even half chances the regular chance feels like a half chance because you are so much closer and your reaction time is is less so the physical demand and then the demand on your technique are the two you know real things that stand out it's really interesting, um, you know, even factoring in that you are closer and that it, it, it's more demands on your body, even against the seamer. But I want to talk about the difference of standing up and, and not standing up. Uh, in county cricket, and I know there are some medium paces in county cricket, which wicket keepers come up to the stumps in, but in, in county cricket, 22% of the deliveries bowled are by spinners. Uh, ben Folks at Surrey, because uh, he has to, you know, face so many of um, Bats' balls, uh, is up the stops 26% of the time. Uh, in, in India, it's 50-50% in the, in the last year, so 50% of spin. In Asia in general, though, it's 62% of the time. It is a completely different game for a wicketkeeper, far, even, almost as far removed as anyone else in cricket. When, you know, there is wicketkeeping in Asia and there is not wicketkeeping in Asia. Yeah, certainly, and, and that, what, you know, you sort of look at someone like uh, MS Stoney, for instance. I mean, absolutely outstanding up to the stumps, and I will be shot down here incredibly. But standing back, he he wasn't that good. You know, mm. coming over to England when the ball was wobbling and different different things, he he got found out quite a lot. But up to the stumps, there was no one. He was so sharp, so fast. And again, it's it's what you're brought up with doing. You know, as you, you just said, the stats that 60 odd percent of the time you're up to the stumps. And then for an English wicketkeeper, so it's, you know, we'll have we'll have foreign keepers come over here and have to deal with a wobbling ball, which for us is something that you get get you well. I'm not sure you ever get used to the wobbling <laughs> ball. It makes you look stupid at times, but you, it's something that you, it doesn't surprise you. Going over to the subcontinent, your your mind shifts because you're not dealing with a wobbling ball. In fact, you're not even stood back that often. You're stood up to the stump. So even your training, your preparation, everything you're working on is about that half chance up to the stumps, taking the catch, the stumping, the big high bouncing ball going through the gate and how you... I mean, when I was working with Bruce French, we were, we were trying to work on... You know, could you could you get to a point where actually you're taking the ball one-handed, stood up to the stumps, because it allows you to cover more more area, more reach. Now, never got the opportunity in a game to to do it, but it's you're you're trying to challenge yourself to to cover more ground. But it's all about up to the stumps and standing up to the spinners. The other thing is, in England, when 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 the spinners are on, they they don't tend to bowl as fast. I mean, we're seeing in this in this Test match, Axel Patel, for instance, coming in, he's bowling 90 k's an hour. So in the subcontinent, the spinners are bowling much quicker and it's still turning and bouncing. So it's it's that kind of culmination of added speed, added pace on the ball, added bounce and added spin 
puts your technique under a huge amount of pressure. Um, and, that, and that's why someone like Ben Folks will stand out because he just makes it look so easy. He's so good. He's, his posture, his technique. I mean, I've watched him this this game. This this wicket is a tough wicket to keep on, and he's he's honestly made it look actually annoyingly easy. <laughs> no, he, he's been amazing. Uh, here's one for you. I think you'll know this because I'm sure Nathan Lehman during his time with England would have drilled this one into you. Uh, when wicket keepers are standing back to seamers, they take 90% of their chances. So, uh, you know, nine out of ten, I think that's pretty fair. There's always going to be the odd wobble seam one or maybe one keeps a bit low or you're miscited on it. Up at the stumps, do you have any idea what the percentage of catches is? Uh, it's it's got to come down quite dramatically, I'd imagine. Probably 70? 65%. 65%. Which is exactly the same for, for stumping. So the minute you go to Asia, you have to be thinking off the top of your head, you, you have to go from a world where you're thinking that you're going to take almost every chance that you're going to get and change your mind a little bit to understand that you are going to miss at least one out of three chances. Yeah, and as a player, you can never do that. I mean, you never go away thinking, okay, well, if I miss a couple this trip, it's all right. You know, you, you have to have the mental... I, I, I used to work... So Bruce French and I, we, I used to work on a 98% catch rate, basically. So throughout a year, throughout a series, every single ball that came to me or hit my gloves... I'd, I'd have to catch 98% of that. So if you think that's every thrown from the outfield, every stumping opportunity, every catching opportunity, I think one thing you've got to look at is up to the stumps. Okay, it's stumpings, but edges up to the stumps. I, I've you know heard comments, oh, it's a drop catch. Well, you're so close, obviously stood up. You get a big, a thick outside edge that hits you as a wicketkeeper, hits you on, on the outside part of your glove or your hand or, or even on the leg sometimes, and, and people go, oh, go down as a chance. Well, of course it will go down as a chance, but you do not have the time to react. So almost taking catches up to the stumps is almost easier in a way because you have so little time to think about it. It's kind of the edge, you react, and you try and feel the ball in, into the gloves, and it either sticks or it doesn't in a, a lot of the time. Every now and again, you might be able to adjust slightly, um, but but I, I think that will be one of the reasons why those the stats come down quite dramatically. Yeah, I think the other one is that anyone who is who is marking that down, you know, any sort of analyst or you know fielding coach who who will do it, it's actually very hard to tell how much the ball has deviated because your hands are so close to the actual bat. Whereas we've seen we we get a really good idea of how far it's deviated, and you can make a call on the wicketkeeper. I think with a lot of those catches at the stumps, they're probably closer to half chances, and we just don't know that. But but it's it's just so interesting that you know. Uh, you know, the different method and the, and the different mindset that you had to have. Obviously, you had a very tough tour in, in Sri Lanka. And, you know, sadly, I made fun of you about that yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, I mean, th that was, this is my memory. You dropped Mahela, but there was another session, I think, where you may, maybe dropped two or three chances um, as well and, and missed a couple. And you just, it looked like there was almost no coming back from it. And, and you know, it almost ended your career, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that... that that's the thing. It puts. I was not. I was not ready or good enough to be an international wicketkeeper playing Test cricket in Sri Lanka. Uh, I, my technique was not what well, was not good enough, and I rightly got found out. Um, luckily, I, you know, didn't give up at that point. And 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 you're quite right. I got left out, and that was the best thing that could have happened to me. And I had to make a. I had to make a call at that point because I had had in international cricket. I had had success with the bats. I'd scored. 
um, 100. I think I think that series in Sri Lanka against Muralitharin, I averaged high 40, something like just under, I think I was second top run scorer just behind Truskovic. So I knew that I could score runs at international career against against the best in the world. I was confident with that, but my keeping was not up to scratch. And sort of I had, I had a bit of soul searching to do when I got left out. I I was seriously thinking about giving up the gloves and and just focusing on my batting and going and trying to score as many runs as I could and, and work my way back into the England team as a as a top order batsman. Um, and I spoke to my mentor at the time and longtime friend Alex Stewart about it and 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 a number of other people that I trusted uh, on their opinion and, and Alec actually said to me look how much have you actually given to wiki keeping how much have you honestly trained and if I was being honest which I was it was probably 10 percent 90 percent of my thought process training practice preparation went into batting and I probably gave keeping 10%. I didn't really enjoy keeping, if, I, if, I'm, if truth be told. I don't think many keepers do enjoy keeping because it's horrible. <laughs> it's hard work. But I've, I had to change my mentality and say, okay, well, if I'm going to be a batsman wicketkeeper and I want to be an international class or international leading wicketkeeper, I'm going to have to change a few things. I knew I had, I was a, a very good, always been a good fielder. Uh, I knew I had the reflexes. I knew I had the athleticism. I just didn't have the technique. And that's when I made the call to to get in touch with Bruce French and we started our relationship and, and he kind of, you know, we, we rebuilt or should I say we built a technique um, and, and went from there. And, and the one thing I was really pleased about was when I went back to the subcontinent after that first tour, I, I always kept well. Um, and it was always on my list of, okay, we're going to India, we're going to Sri Lanka, we're going to Bangladesh. This is a time to see how far you've progressed because my first series was so bad and I'll, I'll be the first one to admit it I, I wasn't ready but you know you've got to go back it's what you do with that what you do with that failure do you blame everyone else and and try and pretend to make excuses or do you look yourself in the mirror and go I wasn't good enough am I I'm either going to get good enough or I'm going to go do something else and I'm, I chose the the first option of, of working as hard as I could to to get good enough one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to 
Visit barbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Well, you mentioned Bruce French. So we looked up, I think I looked up all the uh, wicket keepers who've batted below number eight uh, since 1970, which is, I think it was 1968 was the last time we had a regular wicket keeper who batted at 11. That was in New Zealand. Um, and since then, obviously, it's been a number seven position and even higher at times. And the last wicket keeper who regularly batted at number eight was Mark Boucher. And that was because South Africa had a million all-rounders in their order. And he also only did it until the year 2000. It's completely changed. But we have seen, and it's quite interesting, that India have gone with uh, Rishabh Pant because they generally prefer Ritaman Saha because Ritaman Saha is seen as a specialist keeper, even though he's a very good batsman as well, just not on Pant's level. Do you think in Asia a specialist wicketkeeper is a position that might uh, occasionally pop up in test cricket? I think it's the the one place that you that the argument is sound um, because because of what we've just discussed the fact that you are up to the stump so much because you know that catch ratio standing back is is ninety percent but up to the stumps is sixty five you you want to have your specialist gloveman in there but there's also an argument that you know there's the, for for me if you can score test you've got to have a natural ability to be able to score test hundreds but a wicket keeper you can improve and get yourself to a level. I mean, Alex Stewart is a good good example. He was never a natural wicketkeeper, but he got himself to to a place with his with his game. You're saying you can improve wicketkeeping at, at a higher rate than you can improve batting. Definitely, definitely. I think if you've got if you've got certain natural attributes as reflexes, good. I mean, you have to be able to catch, obviously, but reflexes, athleticism, you can work on a technique, and I'm probably a, a good example of that. You can work on it, find a technique, get you know, dialed into to certain basics of wicket keeping that will um give you as good a chance as 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 any to, to perform well. I mean I I went as you you know, you keep you keep bringing up that that Sri Lanka that Sri Lanka fiasco. Um, you know, I was I was a horrible wicket keeper, but there were I got myself to a point where people were saying I was the best keeper in the world at, at certain stages. So you can, it can be done, um, but batting for me was always my f- my first choice, um, and the wicket keeping was the hard yards. If you know what I mean, the batting was the fun bit, and the wicket keeping was the hard yards. But even someone like Gilchrist, you know, Gilchrist was he wasn't a natural. There were there were other wicket keepers. I'm sure you'll tell me who they were, but there are other wicket keepers in Australia who were pure wicket keepers. Darren Berry. Darren Berry. He's the name that always comes up. Pure wicket keeper, and you know, against Gilchrist, he uh, purely on wicket keeping. You know, he would win. But would you play Barry in the subcontinent ahead of Gilchrist? No, I don't think I would have. I because, mean, because of what Gilchrist brought in every other aspect, you know, with his batting, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, you know, that's the that's the, the age-old argument. I think, you know, Butler, for, if we're talking about England players right now, Butler's wicket-keeping has improved. I think he's got he's got better. He's now really, really sound wicket-keeper. Absolutely. I mean, in the first test, I thought he kept beautifully. Um, but what Butler does bring is... You know what was it last last summer test match against Pakistan? You know if you don't have Butler and he wins England that game through his batting, um, and that's that that's that's the bit really that I for me will always be the edge. I, I want to talk about batting a little bit. So I figured that there were two. I was trying to work out if there was an effect of batting on wicket keeping, and there is for individual players. Obviously, we know that we know Kumar Sangakkara and uh, uh, Clyde Walcott. Both, uh, when, they took, when they got rid of the gloves, their batting averages went through the roof. So we know that can happen. 
there's not many occasions where someone has had a long career batting in test cricket with or without the gloves. When you go to first-class cricket, though, there's almost no difference. If, 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 if a guy averages 35 with the bat and, and is a wicketkeeper, he averages them whether he's got the gloves or not over the entirety of their career. So then I thought, I wondered if there was an effect on batsmen uh, and wicketkeepers in the fourth innings. And there is like the slightest little percentage drop that wicket keepers have. So, uh, you know, just to run you through the numbers, a top order batsman averages uh, 43 in the first innings and he averages 29 in the fourth innings. And a wicket keeper averages uh, 39 in the first innings and uh, about 25 and a half in the fourth innings. So there's a slight drop off there, but I, I would say that overall, wicket keepers are actually holding their batting up far more than they probably get credit for. Um, and so that, you know, we are picking, we are picking players. It's not like if we took the, it's not like if uh, on average, if you took the gloves off a hundred wicketkeepers, suddenly all their batting averages would rise. No, no, exactly right. They, they wouldn't. I think, um, you know, I used to look at that stat a lot. The, the sort of the Sangakara's Alex Stewart, again, is another example of, of batting averages that, that changes quite significantly when, when yeah, they no. do and don't have the, have the gloves. Um, and, and that was that was a stat that I always used as a bit of a motivator because I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have the gloves, but can I compete with actually the the, the Sangakaras and the Alex Stewarts without the gloves? That's what, what I want to base myself on: is can I can I get to that point? Um, and until the last sort of well, 18 months or so, I was averaging mid mid 40s somewhere around there. So I was kind of managing to to stay up there. But I think there's in in international cricket certainly <clears throat> the pressure. And intensity is so much higher than county, and that's not me slamming county cricket at all. It, it isn't. It's just a fact. It's a reality. So I know personally, if I was playing a championship game for Sussex, for instance, I would go. I'd go in early. I'd do a gym session before the game. I'd meet. I'd get Bruce French down. We'd do a specific wicket keeping session. I would then do the day's play, and then do another gym session after the day's play, and that would be that would be my day. One day of Test cricket. You would get to the ground as late as you possibly could because you wanted to be in bed for as long as possible recovering. You'd do your warm-up. You'd do a very uh, a light sort of technical warm-up for your keeping or your batting. You would do the day's play and then you would be absolutely shattered by the time you walked off the pitch. So just mentally, it is, it is exhausting it, and you can't really com- compare it. So I don't know if that would have quite a big influence on, on why there is... A different, you know, why there is that difference? Where you know, in international cricket, there is a difference in in the average, but in counter cricket, there isn't. Um, but it's it, also don't forget, just on a very basic level, it's one extra day of wicket keeping. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the the reason why it would be. It's the physical, you know, the physical tax on it and the mental tax on it. Ultimately, um, so whether it's the extra day, whether it's the extra intensity, whether it's the pressure that you know you've got twenty six cameras on you watching your every move. Um, it all just chips away at at, at your fatigue levels um, and then your ability to to perform ultimately in the fourth innings. But I think you know another role for a wiki keeper. It's you want to be in the you're in the game all the time. You 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 literally are because you keep it. So let's have a look at Ben Folks now. This game he's kept wicket brilliantly. It's hot. It's humid. He's out there for hundred odd overs, whatever it may be. You then come off the pitch, you put your keeping stuff to one side and you've got to try and have some downtime down and switch off from the game and, and not think about it. Two quick wickets fall, you're back in the game. 
because you're getting your whites back on, you're getting you're now having to get your batting head on. So it's not just when you're out on the pitch; it's it's actually waiting to to go into bat. You know, you're you're still engaged in the game, and mentally that's that's taking its toll. So, you know, the the, the role of a batsman wicketkeeper is a, it is a genuine all rounder. And as I say, you are in the game from you know first ball to to the last ball. But that's Again, the mentality and the character of wicketkeepers usually is you want to be in the game, you want to be involved, you want to be influencing the game in a positive way for your, for your team, and whether that's with the gloves or with the bat. And I think that's why also fourth innings, you probably find keepers tend to sort of get stuck in and, and, and find a way to, to influence a result. Yeah, it doesn't work that way for everyone. Quinton de Kock averages 52 in the first innings of a test match, and he averages 19 in the fourth innings. Johnny Verso averages 51 in the first innings of a test match and averages 22 in the fourth innings. Matt Pryor averages 55 in the first innings and 39 in the second. Now, I think some of this is technical because uh, we, we quickly talked about this off-air. Uh, you didn't get bowled in LBW that much, and I know Johnny Verso does. I can't remember Quinton's um, stats off the top of my head. But there's obviously, you know, there's obviously something else going on there. You thought that for you it helped with um, picking spinners and with reverse uh, spin reverse swing, sorry, uh, being a wicketkeeper. That may not be the case for everyone, though. Yeah, it, it certainly was the case for me. I think um, the the fact that you are... Do you know what? Is, and also, I look back to my early influences. So my early influences, my career at Sussex, Mushtaq Ahmed was a massive, massive influence on, on my career, certainly my young or early international career. Um, he played at Sussex with us, and I, I had to keep wicket to, to Mushy. And he first came, when he first came to the club, he's like, all right, who's the wicket keeper? And I sort of put my hand up tentatively and we went into the nets and he said, right, young man, I'm going to bowl six overs to you. I'm going to try and he always say, I'm going to try and done you uh, with the googly or you're going to try and pick me, et cetera, et cetera. And we, we would work together every day on trying to pick and I'd try to pick, pick machine. Of course, the first session he did me every single time. I was absolutely useless. But over time, I learned little intricacies of how to watch the ball in the hand. And then... We had Rana Naved come and play at Sussex. And again, he was a huge influence. And our whole game, really, at Sussex, when we won the championship, was based around spin and reverse swing. And you look at the wickets around the world, a lot of it now is spin, slow pitches, reverse reverse swing. So I sort of thought, okay, you know what? I want to really work on this, really make sure that I feel very, very comfortable in subcontinental con- uh, conditions against spin, against reverse reverse swing. Um and so that's what I really, I really focused on. And I think also batting where I did at seven, you very rarely come up against a new, okay, a second new ball, um, certainly in England. But but again, that's you know a lot of the time you're playing away from home. You're playing with a cooker row of ball. It's most teams are looking for a reverse swing. Most teams have got a spinner on. So sort of that's what I that's what I worked on. That's what I focused on. The wicket keeping element helped me so much by learning the pace of the wicket because obviously you're standing there you've got the best view in the house of what bowlers are trying to do how they're the areas um they're trying to bowl in that are dangerous but also you're stood behind a batsman who's had success so you're watching right where are they scoring their runs how are they scoring their runs what looks risky what doesn't look risky so you're getting a great feel for where you can and can't score so and you're just logging that in your head so when you then walk out to bat you you take that out with you uh, very, very quick question, and then we're done, Matt Pryor. You have a million children. Uh, <laughs> you encouraging them to become wicket keepers or not to become wicket keepers? No. Yes or no? No. No.
Thank you very much for coming on. You've been listening to Following On, Jarrah Kimber in conversation with former England international Matt Pryor discussing the art of wicketkeeping. For more shows like this, as well as exclusive interviews, in-depth analysis, match highlights, make sure you subscribe to the Following On podcast. And the best way of doing that is by downloading the TalkSport app. Don't forget TalkSport 2 bringing you live and exclusive ball-by-ball commentary on the third test match between England and India from our Medaband. It gets underway at 9am on Wednesday. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final... You can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branches organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96 percent replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15 percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. code buttery exclusions apply see site for details